The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to another locker room session here on the Pride of Detroit podcast. Our locker room sessions are when we give you guys the opportunity to come join the show, ask us questions live, basically a full 45 minutes or so of Q&A with myself, Jeremy Reisman, the manager, the <laughs> editor-in-chief. One of, the, one of these days I'm going to get it on the first try. Editor-in-chief <laughs> of Pride of Detroit. Uh, you can find me at Detroit Online. Um, with me is the two co-hosts of our locker room podcast, Ryan Matthews, the senior editor of Pride of Detroit at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing today? I told you, I'm the senior managing editor-in-chief from now on, (laughs) but uh, I'm doing well. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing all right, and the actual managing editor of Pride of Detroit is with us as well, Eric Schlitt, at Eric Schlitt on Twitter, Eric with a K, of course. Eric, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm glad you got it right for me on the first time. Yeah, you're the easy one. You're the easy one. (laughs) Um so we, we don't have a ton to talk about at the top. We're going to mostly make this a Q&A, but uh, I know Ryan had an interesting uh, question of the day on the site today, and I know you want to expose on it a little more here. Um, the Vegas line for the win total for the Lions 2021 season is out very early this year. Uh, no, no draft yet and anything like that. But they set the win total. And remember, we're talking about a 17-game schedule now. 17-game schedule is official. Uh, five wins is what the Vegas total is at. Um, Ryan, I'm going to let you start since this is your topic. What are you taking and why? All right, so this is where the gambler in me comes into play, right? Unfortunately, I do (laughs) probably have a problem. But looking at the over-under win total set at five, uh, if you take the over at five, it's plus 100, meaning that you are going to get even money. So if you were to make a $50 bet, you would win $50. You have to actually pay a little bit more to take the under because the under is set at minus 121. So, um, you know, if you were to bet 50, you'd get somewhere around like 45, 44 dollars back if you if the Lions were to be under that total. I'm interested in just taking the over from this perspective. One, 17 games. 
hey, I mean, like more chances to Ooh, one to extra win or try. Games. Hey, one extra try. <laughs> um, again, I said I'm a gambler, so um, <laughs> that that much needs to be understood. But the thing that I'm most optimistic about this Lions off season so far, and I, I want you guys to chime in about this, but I really do think, um, and I, I think there's going to be an opportunity to to fill out the depth at some of these positions. But I do think that the Lions defense is going to be it's going to be like drastically or like significantly better than it was a year ago. And I know that that's like not a, that's not a big bar to, 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 you know, get over. But like at the same time, they were very, 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 very bad last year, <laughs> like historically bad. I, I, I just think that with some of, you know, the addition of Michael Brockers, bringing back Romeo Okwara, maybe you're going to, you know, hopefully you're going to get something out of Julian Okwara. You know, if Jeff Okuda, can you say healthy he seems like he's you know energized and ready to go as i said maybe the lions fill in a couple of depth pieces here and there like i'm just so much more confident in the lions defense that like i think like five i think like six wins is nothing out of the realm of possibility i'm I'm not saying that they're going to be a playoff team by any means but like six wins 17 games i don't know What what do you guys think about it what do you think eric yeah i mean in the nfl you can find six wins in any given year, right? It's it's a it's designed. The league is designed for uh, parity like that. Like it's you you should be able to go from last to first uh, in, in any given year. We see it all the time, right? But and and while I agree with Ryan that we're not expecting that type of leap uh, in this transition, um, I, I think six wins is is realistic for most teams, even the teams that you think are in the bottom third, right? And if you think the Lions are in the bottom third or maybe even slightly better, it, it, I don't think it matters. I, it, when, you, when you're talking about the ability to win, you know, almost a third of your games, I, I think that's, that's realistic. And, and so I would, I would go over as well. They got a tough schedule. Um, defense Very is, tough. Yeah, defense is going to get better. Offense is going to probably be worse. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting blend, but uh, it's, it's so we're, we're still right in the middle of this thing. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, I go over, that sounds fine to me. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is crazy early to, to kind of look at everything and I don't know, I'm looking at that five and that seems, that seems right about right. I think that's, I mean, that's Vegas's job, right. Is to pick the, the mm-hmm. most right looking number and, and five looks pretty, pretty accurate for what I expect out of this team. And, and Eric kind of touched on it there. Like, yeah, I do expect the defense to be better, just law of averages almost, but I don't know what to expect out of this offense. And it's not that I don't have faith in Anthony Lynn. I, I like him as an offensive coordinator, but I mean, what, what has improved on offense so far? Um, anything running backs, I guess, certainly <laughs> not wide receivers, I guess tight ends, maybe marginally, and then offensive line is about the same with with poorer depth at the moment. So it, it looks rough on that side of the ball in terms of where it was last year, um, especially obviously a quarterback kind of being the, the elephant in the room there. The, the one thing I want to say, though, is I think it hit me yesterday specifically just how much overturn there is on this roster because I was I was at Ford Field for for the vaccine and the walls were just painted with players that are no longer on the team. Marvin right. Jones is on the wall. Obviously, Matthew Stafford is on the wall. Jared Davis is on the wall. All these like extremely marketable guys, maybe not talented um, in, in some of the cases, but 
just like the entire identity of this team is, is really going to have to shift in, in a big way because, I mean, three of their captains are gone from last year. And and not to say there aren't talented, marketable guys out there. TJ Hawkinson is is out there. Trey Flowers is still on the team. And, and they're going to try like hell to market Jared Goff, whether the, the Lions fandom wants it or not. But it's just a big turnover, and you, you never really know what comes out on the other end. This wasn't a good team, so it required a, a bunch of turnover, but you just never know if that turnover is going to be a net negative or a net positive until you see it on the field. So I'm feeling five is just about right. I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> it's not a cop-out answer in the sense that like, if they do hit five, you would get your wager back at least, so you wouldn't right. lose any money. There you um, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the kind of follow-up or uh, one one thing to note is that not only did the lions have like the worst odds or the or the lowest win total of any team in the nfc north they had the lowest win total of any team in the nfc yeah and the only team that had a lower win total projected for them were the excuse me the tire fire known as the houston texans at four and a half so like i i just don't think the lions are like the second worst team in the nfl i i don't think that I, when you look at their schedule, I mean, it, it, it's tough, but the Broncos, the Falcons, the Eagles, the Niners, and the Bengals all are in the all picking in the top 12, well, or were slated to pick in the mm. top 12, um, along with the Lions. So if you look at those five teams, I mean, those you have to think those are probably coin flips, right? Or maybe those are the, the ones that you're probably going to win. And then you add in the six division games. And if you can sneak out of one or two of those, then, you know, you it's, it. it's workable. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Andy Dalton for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> he announced the starter this week. I, they're already announcing starters five, five months ahead of time uh, over there in Chicago. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, let's let's move to some of our, our speaker requests. We got seven of them right now, so let's let's kind of work our way through that. Um, let's start with Kerry. Kerry, uh, are you there? Yes, sir. How you guys doing this morning? Good, Kerry. How are you, man? Uh, doing well. Calling from Texas again. So, nice. uh, so uh, you know, I read the article about the wins and everything. And, and Jeremy, you mentioned this last week when we spoke. Um, as far as like, hey, we don't really know how good or bad um, Campbell's going to be as a a head coach. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of goes back is, is the supporting cast that, um, that Dan, Dan Campbell has around him. Is that, is that good enough to get us more than five wins? It's a great question. And I think, I think that's probably what has Lions fans the most optimistic about the, uh, the whole regime change is, is that supporting cast because, on paper, I think that coaching staff looks looks really good. Ryan, I know you were pretty enthused about every almost every hire that they they made this offseason. Yeah, I mean, especially Aaron Glenn, um, and I I'm just really excited to see what the Lions secondary um, what it stands to show in 2021. To be honest, because you think about the players that they have back there. There's nobody back there that's really like an aging veteran. There are a bunch of young guys, Tracy Walker, Will Harris, Amani Awarie, Jeff Okuda. These are all guys who've been in the league, you know, maybe four years. You know, Tracy Walker being like the elder statesman of the of the team. So, I mean, you're you're hoping that a guy like Aaron Glenn can come in and really help mold this defensive backfield into something that uh, you know, could potentially be a, a sneaky strength of this team. Um, 
And and when you got a you got a defensive line like I, I think that most of us you know even last week I think most of us kind of agreed that it's kind of like the the lone bright spot on on that defense so far um, that you can point to and say on paper like hey these guys should be should, these guys should be pretty good um, I'm I'm optimistic uh, you know Carrie as you mentioned like I I think I'm I'm just optimistic about the coachability that some of these guys are going to uh, some, some of these guys are going to bring to the table. Eric, you is a uh, bullish on the, on the coaching staff as well. Yeah. I, I think the position coaches are really going to be big difference makers. Um, you know, everyone from do Saley down to Aubrey pleasant seem like a, an upgrade at, at their different positions. And so uh, I'm optimistic that, Yes, each each position group has gotten uh, better advisors, a more attacking front, more aggressive uh, nature. Like all those things, I think can can help because the uh, I, I I like Ryan. I, I liked all of the hires. I think there was maybe one or two that I wasn't like. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they got that guy right. So yeah. it was uh, it, it's it's a nice staff, and uh, you know, but. It might take. Uh, is it going to? Is it enough to turn it around? Is a staff good enough to make it turn around in one year? I don't, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah, and I think a, a big factor in that too is is how this off season progresses. You know, it doesn't look like we're going to have a completely normal um, in terms of like OTAs and, and mini camp. We'll, we'll see. Obviously, the lines aren't. You know, news came down this week that the lines aren't getting that head start that a lot of that a team would normally get for uh, having a new head coach and things like that. So um, time might be limited face-to-face interactions might be still limited. That's all that stuff is going to obviously work. I think more against the lines and maybe some other teams that have an established staff and a ha- established, you know, team of, of veterans who've been around for a while. But um, I, I do have to say like my first initial impressions of Dan Campbell was, well, he doesn't seem like much of a nexus to those guys. Let me see the staff he built around him. And he passed just about every ta- test after that. He, he proved to be the recruiter that Mickey Loomis said he was going to be. The line scored a bunch of coaches that no one expected them to score, I don't think, even even you know the, the optimistics here in, in Detroit. So I, I feel good about it. But, yeah, again, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all just kind of a, a wait-and-see game with uh, whether the, the on-paper staff uh, works out in actual, you know, out there on the field. All right, Carrie, thanks for uh, joining us. Appreciate the comments as always. Um, oh, I appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, let's bring up Adam. Adam, can you hear us? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Cool. Long time listener, first time caller. Thanks for <laughs> doing this. It's really cool. Sure, no problem. Uh, so I have a couple questions. One is actually kind of what you guys have been touching on, and, and it's more so like the landscape of the NSC North in the next couple of years. I Am I crazy to think that maybe two years from now we have a real opening to be one of the you know leaders in the division just because who knows what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. He could be on his way out in a couple of years. Vikings, they look like they're going over a kind of a big turnover, and then the Bears are the Bears, so – I just want to curious what you guys uh, think about that. This is a really – I actually I joined a Bears podcast this week, and we had this exact discussion. So I think this is an awesome question to, to consider. Um, let me throw it to you first, Eric. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean it's really hard to to tell because – but you're right with the, the Aaron Rodgers uh, potential exit is definitely going to shake up the division. Um 
Chicago seems to be shooting themselves in the foot, but that has to end at some point because they're going to fire their GM eventually. Right. So uh, you would hope that, you know, if you're, if you're a bears fan, you're hoping that they're, that's going to be able to help them turn around, but would they be able to turn around fast enough or would they be behind in a rebuild? Um, the Vikings, again, it's the, the, the cap's going to be the hardest part for them. Like they're going to need to find cap space with right now. They're, they're losing cap space and losing players. And so that seems like it's kind of teetering on the edge uh, as well. So, it's a good time to do a rebuild if you're patient for the Lions and you know there's a potential if you do it right that yeah that you could you could be in a good spot a couple years from now because the division like like you said could look very different. Ryan are we, are we raising the 2023 NFC North banner already? <laughs> it's all contingent upon whether or not Aaron Rodgers still is in this division. Yeah. Like that matters so much to me. Like if Aaron Rodgers is still here two, three, four years from now, like I don't care what the Packers do because they didn't do anything that really benefited their team last year in the draft and they still won the division. So like it's just it's it's mind blowing like what the Packers are able to do with like little free agency activity, you know, kicking you know, kicking the can down the road for, for draft picks, um, in terms of, you know, what they'll what they'll add to their team, but uh, I, I do think that the Lions are definitely poised to to kind of move up the ranks to obviously move from the bottom to the, to the top here over the next couple of years. But it's going to be really important that they're patient. You know, I don't think that they need to they don't need to necessarily like swing for the fences. They need to like hit like singles and doubles. Um, and I, I think I just needed to sneak that in there because the Tigers are well on their way to you know finishing one sixty two and zero. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, and, and the the only thing I would really add, and and it's really just kind of adding on to your point, is just like yeah, it's all it's all about the quarterbacks to me. You have to kind of look into the future and see what what holds uh, for each of these teams. And I don't think Kirk Cousins is probably long for the Vikings roster after they get out of uh, his fully guaranteed contract and. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are maybe falsely assuming that Aaron Rodgers is gone in a couple of years and they, they transitioned to Jordan Love. That first year didn't go so well with them, and I think it went a lot better than maybe they even expected with Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, I, I don't know if they're that eager to, to get rid of him. And, and you know, if, if the happy relationship, you know, continues there in Green Bay between coach and, and quarterback, I don't see them moving on necessarily. I think I think we all are just kind of eager for that era to end, uh, yeah. being Lions fans. But it, it might not end, and if if it doesn't, then yeah, I'm right there with Ryan. Like they're still the team to beat. They're they're still the one with the Hall of Fame quarterback. They're still the one that you know really have been dominating this division for for decades. And uh, I, I do think you know 2023 is the time in which we're circling in which I think the Lions can start competing for the division. Um, but I'm not ready to start raising any banners or anything like that. Yeah, totally. And we, we've seen with Brady that quarterbacks can have this longevity now, which is crazy. But I think Aaron Rodgers has kind of less lost a step, but he still manages to beat us every time. So <laughs> not easy. All yeah. right, thanks, guys. No problem, man. Thanks for joining us. All right, let's bring in Jason next. Jason, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Great, great. Awesome. Um, so the Lions have signed um, a lot of one-year deals. So they have long-term needs that, that they need. Are there any specific positions or players you think the Lions will target on day two of the draft? 
Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I think the lines needs list is pretty long. Um, but is there something that, that you guys think maybe is something that they need to tackle this year, whether it be in the first, second or, you know, day one, day two? In my opinion, uh, I think they are going to target uh, a receiver, a safety and an offensive tackle. Those are going to be their three priorities. Now, one of them, I, you know, either a, a tackle or a wide receiver would be great if you can land one of them at seven. And then you can, it's a deep enough class where there's value on day two for both of those positions. At safety, there's also value and there's a need. And so, um, those are kind of the three areas where I think they'd be looking to, add some stability. Now there's a bunch of other places you could look at, um, you know, whether it's more off the ball depth, uh, at linebacker, more off the ball corners, like, uh, slot receivers. I look, the list goes on. Right. But I think the three main priorities for me, uh, are, are wide receiver, offensive tackle and safety. You think so, Ryan? You, you agree with that list? Yeah, I agree with that list. I think one position that I think might sneak their way um, into day two and I think is definitely a need and a long-term need for the Lions is linebacker. And uh, Todd McShay, uh, you know, take his mock drafts for, for what they're worth, but, like, he had the Lions pegged to take Nick Bolton, the linebacker out of Missouri, in the second round. And if you look at the draft network, they have – one, two, three, four, five guys that would be considered like day two linebackers. So um, I, I think that linebacker could could potentially be a, another position that the Lions address, uh, you know, day two of the draft. Am I crazy in thinking I don't even really care that much about position this year? Like, I understand they probably need a right tackle unless they, they really think Tyler Crosby could be a starter. And, you know, Will Harris, no one really wants to see as a starter, but I guess could be there, especially if, you know, this coaching staff that we're raving about can can help turn things around. I, I'm not all that concerned about what positions they draft. I understand what's more of immediate need, but, you know, I, I think it's a good point. They signed a bunch of free agents to one-year deals. Like, is there really a spot on this roster where they're set for 2022, 2023, 2024? Running back. Running, running back. That's, that might be it. That might be it. Literally, quarterback. It. I, I, uh, twenty twenty three. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. And I mean, you're, you're, and that's the thing. You're drafting for the future, and it's not that you don't want to compete this year. They do, and they will, and they'll do everything they can to do so. But you, you, we've heard Brad Holden say several times already that this team is operating two, three years down the line, and so I, I want them to just get talented guys. Mm-hmm. Period. That's it. Like I don't, I don't care if it's an offensive tackle or safety or corner or. Okay, may, maybe I care if it's tight end or running back. If we're talking early uh, in the draft, but no, I mean just in terms of like value for where they're at, just get the most talented dude on the board, and and that that's my my primary concern, I guess. Yeah, I think the reason I picked those three is because that's there's a there's a crossover between um, value in this draft class right. and need. Right. right. Um, you definitely could make an argument that if a guy falls at linebacker, you, you absolutely take him, and you can make that same argument at, at nickel corner and outside corner, um, etc. Right, uh, all down the list. But um, yeah, I, I, it's a good. It's a better draft than I think it gets credit for. And really on day two, the three guys that they walk out of day two with are are, are going to be big impact players for them uh, now and in the future. Yeah. 
All right, Jason, appreciate the question. Um, thanks for uh, joining the show. We'll, we'll hear from you again soon, hopefully. Um, and let, let's take this opportunity to take a quick break for our podcast listeners. Um, we'll be right back with more Lions Q&A, more off-season talk, more draft talk right after this break. And we are back on our Locker Room Live Q&A here on the Locker Room app, currently available on Apple products. Make sure you download and follow at Pride of Detroit so that you can join us every Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern uh, to, to do a live Q&A. Join our show and, and be a part of it. Um, let's keep the boat rowing here uh, with our good friend Nathan is here. Nathan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Happy Saturday. How y'all doing? Good, Nathan. How are you? Good, man. Love talking Lions. I talked on Friday Lions and talked on Saturday Lions. So <laughs> I, love, I love the Lions talk, man, especially here in Texas. Off to a good <laughs> week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so my question is more on the defensive side. Um, so first off, I want y'all's thoughts on Corn Elder. Um, I, I don't know if y'all saw Jalen Ramsey's uh, tweet about, you know, yeah. how they wanted to, they wanted to bring him in and so I thought that was kind of a good sign. The guy plays 16 games, which is a very durability, it's a, a plus two. Um, and then also, too, how many defensive starting positions are there up for grabs? Um, yeah, the, let's let's start with Cornell there because, yeah, that was the one bit of uh, news this week. The Lions grab a, a nickel corner, um, four-year guy, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, a fifth-round draft pick, I believe. Um Yep. Kind of had a, a, a breakout season last year where he really had his own – his first real crack at, at NFL playing time, and uh, at least on defense, and did a pretty good job. Um, what, what's kind of your scouting report on, on Cornell there, Eric? Yeah, he's a, he's a fourth-year breakout player. Uh, he was primarily a special teamer the three years prior. They did give him – they tried to give him a little bit of run in 2019. didn't really work out a whole lot. Uh, but he's always been a strong tackler, and he has good instincts. And, and those instincts show up in run defense. Uh, they played out pretty good in, in, in coverage this year. It's one of those situations where – uh, as a day three guy, it, it sometimes will take these guys two, three years before they're ready to contribute. So it's not uh, unusual to see a guy like this kind of, uh, you know, finally hit his stride later in his career. So um, I think he has the potential to challenge to start. And right now he'll be penciled in as the starter. I do think they'd be looking for an upgrade, uh, whether it's getting a uh, multi-purpose defensive back that can play safety and corner to kind of hold down that nickel role, or if they just look for uh, a, a straight-up nickel back. But, um, you know, when you look at some of the stuff that Korn has done on the field, it's uh, you, you notice it's he it's his instincts that really put him in the right spot, right? Um, some of the uh, – he, he recognizes handoffs better or just a hair faster than everybody else, and that allows him to, like, get to the ball quicker. And I don't know if it's because he's um, guessing or if he's just, like – reading his receiver and recognizing that his receiver is, you know, breaking down to block. And so he recognizes that it's going to be a run or, or, or what exactly is going on in his head. But you, you'll see often that he, um, he's the guy who is making plays because he is breaking earlier than some of the players around him. Uh, compared to 
Coleman. Go. Just curious. Well, he doesn't have as much experience. Um, he's not going to be as quick. He's not a, as, uh, you know, Coleman had really good quicks. Um, whereas, like I said, Elder's relying more uh, on his instincts. Um, he's also a better tackler. Uh, that, that three years of special teams comes into play to help him. He's, he's very reliable when it, when it comes to that. Uh, Coleman was more, he'd let you catch it and then he'd take you down or uh, he'd try and knock the ball loose or something like that. It, it was it, it, different scheme, uh, stylistically different types of players, in my opinion. Um, Ryan, let me throw the, the second half of that question to you and maybe, maybe use your, your fingers or an abacus. Uh, how many opening jobs <laughs> do you think are available there on defense right now? What if I don't have enough fingers? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Good one. In, in all, <laughs> all right, Nathan. Uh, in, in all honesty, um, I think that when I'm looking at the offense and I'm looking at the defense, I count four. Um, uh, on the offense specifically, wide receiver. I think whether or not you're getting a guy who's going to you know play in the slot or he's going to be an outside guy, I think that the Lions uh, could definitely add a, a starter at, at that position. Um, I also think you know if we if we're led to believe that Vitai is moving to guard. They they could you know again stand to uh, add a add a starter at right tackle so that kind of coincides with um, or it lines up nicely with uh, as, as Eric had mentioned you know kind of the needs that the Lions do have and and the draft value so um, but then looking at defense I would say a linebacker and a safety um, I, I truly think that Tracy Walker is a good NFL safety. I think that he was kind of just a victim of circumstance and uh, Matt Patricia. So um, I, that's my count. I mean, it could be, it could be more. I, I don't think it could be less though. Yeah. I, I mean, they could certainly stand to benefit to improve in a lot of positions that they have guys that could start. And and I think Cornell, there's probably a really good example. Like mm-hmm. he could, he could be the starting nickel. And, you know, I, I think maybe that's, the line, the lines probably signed him thinking he's our backup plan in case we don't find someone else either in free agency or in the draft, but the lines could certainly upgrade there. And, and it, I would even say maybe that's the truth at, at outside corner. I know everyone's a big Amani Oruarie fan, but I think I need to see a little bit more out of him before I say this guy's a starter. Um, John Penasini too. Yeah. At, no at the nose. Absolutely. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it's two on defense, but like really three or four, Maybe five. I mean, we could probably uh, the 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 problem is the lines don't have a lot of blue chip players right now that you, you can just circle and be like, this guy's our starter. He's going to be here for a long time. You got Trey Flowers, which may I mean, a talented player. Is he your cornerstone guy? Now that the defense is a little different than than what he was hired for originally, maybe. Um, you've got Michael Brockers, who's definitely going to be your cornerstone for a, a couple of years, maybe even three. But who else out there is uh, maybe Jeff Okuda? You, you certainly hope it's Jeff Okuda, but I'm not sure there's really a lot else out there on the defense, right? Romeo Wakwara. Romeo Wakwara. Okay, yep. Good call. Good call. All right. Wakwara brothers. <laughs> um, at least one of them, I would say. Yeah. But I mean, um, it, it could even it could even be like two linebackers, Jeremy. Like, I yeah. mean, you, I mean, you're talking about the Lions brought back Jalen Reeves, Maben. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a guy who like made his name as a special team star. This isn't right. a guy who's like. Oh yeah, he's been like a rock solid starter for a couple of seasons. It's like no, the Lions like they could add a starter there for sure. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, uh, all right, Nathan, thanks for uh, for joining us. We'll uh, we'll hear from you again soon, I'm sure. Uh, let's bring up uh, Pierre. You guys have been waiting patiently. Pierre, how you doing, man? Yeah. Man, what's up, guys? 
Not too much, Fear. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Um, I have a question for Eric. Every year he like uh, releases like a guy who rises. Last year was McTelvin again. Eric, who are some guys that are like draft risers this year, like potential in the third or second? Ooh, uh, that's a good one. Um, I usually come up with those guys kind of in this last month because that's when I really start digging in to more of the depth of the class. Um, I don't know if I have a guy uh, off the top of my head who is kind of standing out that I'm willing to hang my hat on. Um, no Deshaun Hand yet? No, see, like I had, I had hand as rated pretty high on my board because I thought he fit the scheme well. But yeah. um, ah, man, uh, give me, give me, give me a second here to kind of scroll through my list. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will get someone. Trust me. I'm gonna, there's, I'm gonna find somebody down the road that I'm like, holy cow, why is this guy getting overlooked? And then I'll, you know. I'll I'll jump in, but I don't have anybody right now that like. There are a couple of guys that I remember from like yesteryear that mm-hmm. were popular names for like Lions, but like just didn't you know make it to either their pick or the Lions passed over them. But like Hassan Reddick comes to mind. Like he was a huge draft riser. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle Kyle Duggar, uh, the safety um, who went to a real small school. I can't remember which school he went to. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are a couple of guys that I remember from, you know, the past couple of years. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think, I think we really start to, well, the, the last month of the draft is always really weird, right? Cause we either, we either finally start getting like what teams truly think of some of these guys and, and we'll see some guys kind of drastically rise or fall, or we'll all fall for these teams tricks and be like, Oh, suddenly Mac Jones is going to go three, I guess. <laughs> and I mean, maybe that's actually what happens, but it does feel like we're we're starting to have some of those like April shenanigans where for whatever reason, these guys just like suddenly come out of nowhere. And, and sometimes they, they prove out to be true. And sometimes it was just like, why do we even believe that nonsense to begin with? But um, yeah, I think this last month is, is for a lot of people, the kind of crunch time when it comes to cramming for the draft. And I'm, I'm certainly including myself in that list. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have one more question, I guess. So sure. who are like some day three options that a lot of people aren't talking about for the lines? Like who are maybe some draft sleepers or because um, we talked a lot about day one and day two guys. Who do you guys think are some fits on day? Uh, yeah, I like this question, too, because, you know, the lines obviously do have uh, first, second and a couple thirds. But um, we've seen uh, the, the Rams in the past kind of score on some of these late round guys. So. I don't know, Eric. Is is there someone you're circling in kind of that that late four? Um, the Lions only have a fourth and a fifth, but um, anyone in that range where you think the Lions might get some value? Yeah, yeah. If they can trade back and get more picks, I think that's you know that'd be ideal. I don't think they want to go into day three with only like two picks, uh, you know, hanging over them. Um, most of the work that I've done have been at those positions of need, like you know, mm-hmm. like wide receiver and safety and whatnot. So like, I I. I have some names at, at like those positions. Like 
For example, Anthony Schwartz um, from Auburn, uh, he's a guy who I think is going to end up on on day uh, three. He's probably going to be in that fourth or fifth round range. He is he kind of fits the hits fits the profile of a speedy guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he was considered the fastest man in the NCAA last year. He's, he's a guy who you, you know you can put it in his hands and he can go. It's a world record holder from high school. Ran a four two nine I think uh, at, at the Auburn co- uh, pro day. So he's a guy who could be. Um, kind of like a, a, a gadget type player if you're going to double dip at safety or at wide receiver if you get you know one early. Um, I, I think safety is another one where you're looking for guys who can play, who are comfortable in like the split zone and um, a day three guy named uh, like Damar Hamlin from Pittsburgh is a guy who is um, – he played some split zone. He can play free. He can play nickel. Uh, he's a bit of a sleeper right now. Not a lot of people are talking about him. He'll probably go in the, in that range as well. Um, I could look at linebacker a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I have a linebacker though on day three that I'm like. I maybe I mean look if Cameron McGroon slides to day three. I think he's uh, he's exactly what this the Lions would be looking for as like a long term Anzalone replacement. Um, I just don't know if he's going to slide that far. It's it's very possible he does, but um, those are three guys I, I think you'd find real good value in on day three, and they, they they'd all fit the Lions uh, pretty well. You had to get that Michigan guy in there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm familiar with them the most, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right, Pierre, appreciate the questions, man. We'll we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great holiday. You too, man. All right, uh, Robert, let's bring you aboard. Robert, how you doing, man? Can you hear us, Robert? Oh, can't hear you, Robert. Um, you know what? If you uh, if you want to join, you can jump right back in the queue. We've got a couple of people in there now, so... Oh, can you hear us now, Robert? Yeah, I think uh, the app closed on me. Sorry. Oh, no, no worries. We can hear you now. You're good. All right, cool. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to say uh, first, I think for the 2021 season, um, going back to the first conversation, I honestly don't even care so much about wins this year as much sure. as what is the on-the-field product look like as far as, like, just being in competitive games. I think primarily, like, getting that points against average down. Um, But I did want to ask, kind of looking forward into the 2022 um, offseason, Ian Rappaport mentioned that he thinks that the cap might be somewhere around 200 million next year. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to get your thoughts on like with the dead money dropping off uh, next year and assuming that cap number is somewhat accurate, like, where do we stand as far as like flexibility and kind of ability to make a splash if we feel like the top we had a good draft um, and the time is right to kind of be aggressive in free agency? I'll I'll throw that one to Eric because I know he's got a big old spreadsheet that that covers up the, that sort of stuff. Um, what what does the the line salary cap situation look like next year? And and do you expect them to maybe be a little bit more aggressive? Certainly more aggressive than they were this year, but but among the more aggressive teams. I'm sorry. Was that for me? The app yeah. was on me too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. If it's if it's uh, right now, they've got about 155 million invested next year in in players. Um, so that gives them 45 in that scenario to play with. Um, 
they they're still going to have a lot of foundation pieces. You got to remember that they're also going to be adding a whole draft class worth of uh, worth of players as well. So um, I, I think it's going to allow them to be aggressive. We also have like a couple of salaries on the books next year that might not be on the books next year. Like uh, like Vitae's contract, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to call. He's going to be. He's the third highest paid. Lion next year, and I don't know. I'm not sure if they're actually. I'm sorry. The the fifth highest paid lion next year. I'm not sure if they want to carry him. You know, with that high of a cap hit, and there's an easy out on his contract then. So there, there's they're going to be in uh, a lot better shape if it's around uh, 200 million, and they're going to you know uh, with this off season. Hopefully they're going to have more of those foundation pieces that we had been talking about just all this podcast uh, put in place. Ryan, do you think this is um, maybe a goal of the team is, is to get into a cap position where they can be aggressive in free agency? Or do you think maybe they just kind of hold on to that money in, in case of maybe trades or, you know, we, we've heard, you know, they, they want to build through the draft and, and, and that sort of thing. But that, does that mean do you think that they won't ever be? truly aggressive in free agency? You know, I'm trying to really think uh, back to, you know, Brad Holmes tenure with the Rams. And I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to think about any like big free agency splashes that they made while he was there. Yeah. I, well, I mean, they, I feel like they did once they got to a certain place in the roster, right? Like they, they went and got Sue and, and, and it, yeah, with that, but, it, but then even more so it was like making trades almost. It was like, right. they were more willing to part with draft capital to yep. get a star like Brandon cooks or to get Jalen Ramsey or, you know, now to get Matthew Stafford. So it seems like, it seems like that's the trade off that they're willing to make um, to, to make sure that their, you know, cap resources are, are, you know, um, readily available to, you know, sign those players that they, that they might draft in house to, uh, to, you know, hand some contracts that rewards their good play. So um, I, I think ideally everybody who wants this rebuild done the right way, doesn't really want the Lions to be aggressive in free agency until, it seems like they're ready. Right. And who, who knows when, when they're going to be ready, right? Like, is it going, like, I think that's what's so interesting about this season. And um, I know Robert, you had mentioned something along the lines of like, you don't care if they're good or if they're bad, you know, you don't care about win totals so much, but like you care about the product on the field. I think that's, what's going to be so interesting about this, the season coming up is like Jared Goff, like, if if he seems like a quarterback that like has a chip on his shoulder and like is ready to play and compete and maybe this offense isn't as bad or doesn't take as big of a step back as some people might expect, you know, going from golf to Stafford. Well, maybe the Lions are, you know, if they put together a good draft class, maybe they're closer than we think. And then maybe then it's time to get aggressive. But um, yeah, that that's that's what's going to be. I, I think that has to be like everybody's number one most interesting thing to look for in 2021 is like who is jared goff to the lions rebuild yeah 100 percent. i mean that's that's one of the big keys to cog and i think you're right that's that's the key to whether this is a two to three or three to four year rebuild or a two to three year rebuild is yeah. really on Goff's shoulders mm-hmm. all right rob appreciate the question there um I, we're going to take our final break here uh for the podcast when we come back more of your questions for the detroit lions as we head Towards the draft just a month away. Appreciate you all joining us on Locker Room. We will be right back. 
And we are back for the final segment of our locker room Q&A session live here on the locker room at 10.30 a.m. Eastern all every Saturday leading up and through the draft. Um, let's go back to our line here. Um, I know Alex has been waiting for a long time. Alex, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. Uh, I just had a quick question. Uh, do you think with next year's draft being so, like, like the top two prospects being high defensive players, do you think they have the ability to double dip at receiver in this draft class? Um, that's a that's a good question. Um, may might be a little early to look at that 2022 draft class, but I think we all we all might agree that double dipping at wide receiver might happen regardless. Um, I know I know that's something you've talked about, Eric. Yeah, I mean, mainly because the four receivers you brought in all are on one-year deals, right? So um, if going into next season, if you draft a a receiver, let's say at seven, um, you're you're still going in. You're only going to have under contract uh, that player and Quintus Cephas, and that's it. The rest, and and then you're going to have to rebuild the room again. So I, I do think that. Double dipping at, at this position in a rebuild because they want to turn it all over is, is definitely a viable option. Uh, do you do you agree, Ryan? Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah. Can can I can I change the conversation a little bit and, and talk about Quintus Cephas because I don't know if we've talked about him on the locker room app before, but um, what do the Lions do with him? <laughs> In my opinion, they they play him as like a a big slot kind of where his, you know, I think original prospects, like what he looked like last year, you know, uh, when he was drafted, he looked like a guy who was going to benefit from playing out of the slot. But when he uh, got on the field with the Lions last year, he had to replace Kenny Galladay because Kenny Galladay was hurt the whole year. So you didn't really get to see him, I think, in his most beneficial position. So, if I'm the Lions and I'm happy with Perryman and Williams on the outside and I draft someone who can play in the slot or on the outside, I'd be interested to use Cephas as like a number four mm-hmm. and then um, move him inside when you can because that's really when he's going to win, in my opinion. He's going to win a lot easier on the outside, on the inside, and that's what Koff needs. If you put Cephas on the outside, he doesn't get a whole lot of separation in that situation. That's going to be hard for Goff to go after him. If you put him on the inside, it's a little easier for him to, to win, easier for Goff as well. So I'd like to see him moved inside as a big option. So do, do you think he's still a, a fit in, in what the Lions are trying to do on offense? I think he can be because of the style. Like he's not going to be a breakaway speed guy, but he has explosion. Um, It's, it's kind of like golden Tate, right? Golden Tate was never that speedster, but he had the ability to separate because he was explosive when he cut. And you see similar things with Cephas. He's also uh, strong in the way that like, you know, we compared him to like how we expect him to be used. Like Anquan Bolden was used when, with the lions a couple years back, right? Where he's, he's really, he has that basketball background. So he knows how to understand how to, uh, you know, position his body to create open targets. And again, in the slot, that becomes a lot easier than on the outside because there's going to be, you know, you're not going to have that over the top safety all the time. So uh, I think he can fit, but he's going to have to be put in the right situation so that Goff can still utilize him. Yeah, I I I think essentially from from what I'm hearing from Eric, and I just kind of like want to like stamp this is like, he's probably going to make a home for himself simply because he is unlike anything else the Lions have on their roster, right? 
like that. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. way he like you know carves out a role for himself. Is like he is a guy like none other on the team. So I don't know. We'll see if that works out. It, but but I think the interesting thing is again we'll see if this works out in 2021. If it doesn't, well, it, it's not going to hurt to cut bait with him. Yep. Exactly. All right, Alex, appreciate the question, man. Let's uh, move on to our next speaker. We got Adam on the line. Adam, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Um, I had another question about the draft just because you guys were touching on it, and I keep thinking about how there is a possibility that uh, a quarterback like Trey Lance or Justin Fields, maybe if Mac Jones goes early, is available at seven. And if you're Brad Holmes and you're sitting there at seven and one of those quarterback falls – but then you get a call from Washington offering a first rounder next year and a third this year. What do you do in that situation? Just because you don't really know what the quarterback class is going to look like next year. And if you have a chance, if you think that guy is your franchise quarterback, you go ahead and take him. Um, or, I mean, you could load up on draft picks and, and be super valuable. And I don't think Washington's going to be that good um, next year. So that draft pick could be pretty high too. So just going to see what you guys thought, because that could be a, a pretty pivotal moment in uh, Brad Holmes's early GM career. Yeah, and I think I'm going to throw this to Eric because he kind of had a similar situation happen in our Pride of Detroit community mock draft where a bunch of our uh, commenters on Pride of Detroit get to act as GM. Basically what happened was every top skill position player was available and Justin Fields was available as well. Uh, (laughs) You ended up going with Jamar Chase, but um, I I think your first priority, had we allowed it, would be to trade down, no? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I before I even mentioned who the pick was, I was right. I was writing. Okay, look, I would have traded out here, right? And yeah. and whether it's trade, I would have traded back to Carolina at just one pick and been like, hey, if you want your guy, you got to move up. Uh, I also would have been talking to Denver at nine. I would have been talking to New England at fifteen and Washington at nineteen. And and in this class, with all the needs in a first year of a rebuild, if Washington is offering nineteen and a first rounder next year, I'm taking it. Okay, like I I get the value and I and I'm a strong believer in draft and develop quarterbacks. And, you know, you're right. You don't know what next year's draft class is going to look like at quarterback, but they have so many needs and so many things that they need to put in place that I don't think they can afford to to pass over an opportunity to add another first rounder into the mix. And it, and at 19, even though it's, you know, you're dropping back quite a bit, there's still going to be a player that you're going to get that's going to do damage. Right. And so, and I don't think it's just, it would just be a first, right. It wouldn't just be a first next year. It would be a first next year and probably more players this year, including day two players, another day two pick this year. So now you're getting another chance to add more uh, depth in those in that range of players that are going to make an impact now and over the next four years. So uh, I would take that deal even all the way back to 19 because it gives you a better opportunity in, to do what you want to do long-term, even though you are passing on a quarterback. You agree, Ryan? Are you taking that deal? Uh, well, I'm taking that deal from, from this standpoint. If you get an extra first-round pick from Washington next season, that means that you have your own first pick. You have Washington's pick, and you have Los Angeles. So, like, there's three first-round picks right there. That's almost like a guaranteed – I mean, unless there is a number one bonafide, surefire, like, Trevor Lawrence guy, like, you are going to get a quarterback that you want if you want to package up those picks. Like, three first-round picks for a quarterback? I mean, now, granted, that would technically be using four first-round picks (laughs) – 
No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> Christmas. Don't don't pull floor any Florio on us, all right? Yeah, but I I think ultimately, like like Eric said, like you, you just can't pass up that kind of draft capital, um, especially in this early in a rebuild. What if Kyle Pitts is there too? Dude, I have not <laughs> talked about him the entire hour. This is your fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think I'm with you guys. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm Mister Trade Down uh, in general, and especially when you're in the midst of a rebuild, um, the Lions are, don't need to be in a hurry to grab a quarterback. I mean, that was the whole reason I think they wanted Jared Goff so badly, is so that they would have a little flexibility in year one and really in year two too. Like, if the 2022 class isn't very good at quarterback. Okay, who cares? You got you got another extra first rounder from the Rams then, in in, in twenty twenty three. So get one then. Um, in the meantime, build that foundation. Build, I mean, that's what um, I think it was Dan Campbell said. Like, we need to build a foundation before we're ready to compete and ready to give a quarterback you know a, a fair chance to to win this thing. And so, if you get the opportunity to add a first and a third and and still be in that first round mid to late round, yeah, I'm taking the deal. And that's why that's why I hope to God that Mac Jones is a third pick. Like I think that would be huge for the oh, Lions yeah. if Mac Jones was that guy. I I hope so too, but I can't see it. But I mean, <laughs> I live in the Bay Area. I think Niner fans would lose their minds. But it'd, it'd be fun to see. <laughs> Who do they want? Based on your impression, I'm kind of curious. They all, they all want Fields. My, my my one of my close friends said, "If we don't take Fields, I have no idea what we're doing." I, I think I think Lynch and Shanahan know what they're doing for the most part. So yeah. I, We'll, we'll see. All right. Well, appreciate the question and the insight there, Adam. Uh, Thanks, we'll, guys. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Sure. Thanks. All right. A couple more here. Um, let's go back to Nathan. Nathan, how you doing, man? You there, Nathan? Come on, Nathan. I know you're there, buddy. He's not here. Move on. All right, we'll we'll see if we can uh, get you back here. Oh, now I can hear you. Yep. Yeah, the app just locked me out. That's crazy. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah, apparently Um, that's uh, contagious today. So you had a perfect segue to a question for Ryan. Ryan, I know that you're a big Kyle Pitts fan. So too. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody. Um, So I'm going to burst your bubble for a sec. Um, I have a theory. I think that Kyle Pitts very well could go to the Falcons at four. I want your thoughts. Yeah, I think that that would be a dynamite pick for the Falcons. Um, I mean, if, if they're if they're focused on improving their skill position players, I mean, could you imagine a an offensive? Oh yeah, you know, Julio Jones. skill position Julio Jones, yeah. Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, goodness gracious! And you know, Hayden, Hayden Hurst isn't anything to you know, thumb your nose at. So, I mean, that would be, that would be a pretty impressive uh, package of skill position players. But I mean, Eric, don't you think that if, if Sewell is there at four, I mean, doesn't, doesn't Sewell make a lot of sense for the Falcons too? Yeah, they both do. And, and a quarterback does too. Um, In the community mock that we were doing, I give little write-ups on what I think of each pick. And uh, for the Falcons pick, I included Pitts as an option and said, you know, look, they haven't been the same since Austin Hooper left, right? And so when he left, their de- their offense went down a little bit, and Pitts is a ready-made replacement. You also have Calvin Ridley in a contract here. And so um, you could use 
a pass catcher in Atlanta. Uh, I, I do think you could, you know, you could go offensive line as well. That's why the, the mock drafter did. Uh, I wouldn't rule quarterback out here as well. If let's say, um, you know, Fields does go three. This could be a Trey Lance situation where you're you've probably locked yourself in to Matt Ryan for two years, and that could be enough time for Lance to be to be ready to go. So uh, there's some options. I think Pitts would be uh, would be in the mix as well as um, you know, like I said, a quarterback and, and like Ryan said, an offensive line. Yeah. So here here's something real quick that Jeremy will. He'll be really proud of me for saying this, but I think for the, I think I think for the Falcons though, Eric, don't you think that they could just take wide receiver like kind of like off the board? I mean, like not completely, but like they're probably not going to take one of those top receivers. No, I don't think they're going to take a receiver. Um, I, I think, but Pitts... they might take a tight end. Yes, <laughs> this is where no. Jeremy gets proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I'm saying, okay. The, the thing is, is they're going in 2022. They're going to need a pass catcher not named Julio Jones. Okay, sure. and this year they're going to need someone who is capable of playing tight end. And Pitts fills both those roles, and that's why I think Pitts could be in the mix. Do I think that they would draft, let's say, uh, Jamar Chase? No, I don't, because you've got. I don't think you're going to want Ridley, uh, Julio, and and, uh, and Chase all on the field at the same time. There's there's the, the, there's not enough to, to spread around. But with Pitts, you, there, there's some options that separate him from from the wide receiver. Receivers uh, at the top with with Atlanta, anyways. Yeah, I'm I'm very proud of you, Ryan. Just want you to know that. Thank hey, you, hey Jeremy. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a request for uh, an interview. Oh yeah, yeah. So I would love if y'all could get Dan Miller on the podcast. Okay, uh, we, I would he, love. He was actually we we did a uh, Mike Payton did a one on one interview with him last year. Um, you can yeah. kind of scroll down our, our interview thing, but yeah, that would be good to kind of have him on the full. I absolutely love that podcast. Guy. He's, he's pure. He loves the Lions, man. Yeah, he's I, I get he's so a excited. he's a legend in this town already. And, oh, yeah. and I, I think I think it's easy to forget he's not even originally from Detroit, but he has certainly really? uh, endeared wow. himself to the city. Uh, in a big way. Yeah. I, I would suggest going back to listen to that one-on-one we did that, that Mike did with him. Cause you learn a lot about him that I, I didn't, I didn't personally know about beforehand. Awesome. All right. All right Nathan. We'll keep up the good work. Thanks man. Appreciate it. We got no two problem. more on the line here. We're going to get through uh, and then uh, we'll come to a close. Uh, let's talk to David. Hey guys. David, how you doing? I, I appreciate the chat. Um, I think I disagree with the panel. Um, I, I, I think of a quarterback is there for you that's what you're amassing draft picks for is for an opportunity at one of these top echelon quarterbacks and in the scenario that everyone's been discussing if fields is there for the taking this year even if he needs development you get the development started a year earlier rather than amassing picks hoping that there's a quarterback that is able to get there, hoping that you can you could bundle everything into a deal in order to get that quarterback and then start your development. Like Detroit fans are like smart and gritty and know how the game is played and they're willing to put in the work, but I don't see the reason why you're delaying for delaying's sake. I think a lot of like, you know, a, a lot of fans love drafts. Like we love discussing like, you know, moving the pieces around the chessboard, but but ultimately, we're playing the game, and we want to like get our development underway when those opportunities are there. And when the opportunity is there, you got to strike. 
if you have a chance at, at a Justin Fields, why are you rolling the dice that maybe possibly you might be able to amass something in the future and start a development possibly a year later? It's like use him now while you have Goff. He's backing up. He has opportunity to learn. He starts like getting familiar with the receivers and the, and the and NFL coaching and really benefit and, and like mold the guy that you want because he has every tool in, 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 in the tool shed. And it, it just seems like it's, it would be a no-brainer if, if he fell to you. Um, and, and, and I think people would take that. I don't think a GM would risk it. When you have a top pick, you know, you don't waste it on a, on a skilled player when, like, quarterback is a need, which is what I think the Falcons are going to do. Pitts is outstanding. He would be an outstanding, like, you know, key piece on any NFL team. But it's going to be hard-pressed for NFL GMs to say we're going to spend a top-five pick on a tight end and spend top five money on a tight mm. end when we have quarterback need in the future, if not immediately. And we had top candidates available and we passed on them. I think that's so, like an untenable situation for most GMs. Yeah. Uh, I, and I, I would agree with you. Um, I would say that quarterback isn't a need though for this team right now. And so that's why it, it, let me say that like if fields is there at seven and the lions take fields, I'm not upset with that pick by any means, but at the same time, if the Lions have the opportunity to move back, like I, I think that like three first round picks in a draft in a subsequent year, like that, like all but guarantees that you can move up to pretty much in anywhere in the top, probably like in the top five picks. Um, if the Lions aren't already maybe picking there to begin with. So um, I, I, I just don't know if, you have to lock yourself in and say like Justin Fields has to be our guy if if he if he's not if he's not you know for this regime. See, I yeah. think what people are doing is locking themselves in to this idea of well, we'll trade down. Right, like, there'll be value and there'll be somebody there. Everybody and I think the to. only way you would trade down is if somebody blows you out of the water. Like if somebody did not not just gives you like a decent value, or when you add up the points, it comes out a little bit ahead for you. Right. I mean, blows you out of the water where you can't say no. Right. Yeah. That's a position where you trade down. But otherwise, if your guy is it, like unless the guy that you want and need isn't going to be there, there isn't a reason to like move early. I, and I, I I kind of I agree with you in a lot of ways, David. Like, I think one thing that we have to definitely I, I the lines absolutely have to consider if one of those top four quarterbacks are there taking him. They have to consider it. They have to make sure that they're not that they're not their guy. I mean, and and I keep going back to the same quotes, but I think they were very telling quotes from early in Dan Campbell's career. I mean, when he said specifically, if even one of our guys is not sure on a quarterback, he's not our quarterback. So if one of the, if, you know, QB four in this year's draft class, whoever's there at number seven is their guy, they should absolutely take him 100%. I agree. Yeah. You, you, you only get a c- certain amount of opportunities to grab your quarterback there. My question is, is QB four that guy is, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the kind of prospect where if he's there, you take him to almost no matter what your quarterback position is, is Justin Fields, that guy, there's questions about his, there's questions about every quarterback. Oh, in this, in careful. This, yeah, <laughs> no, I was, I, I was <laughs> slow down. Dan. Not, not those <laughs> questions. I'm not questioning his, his, <laughs> his football, um, you know, hunger and all that garbage. But I mean, in terms of, I mean, there's just it, it's hard to to really put 
your your finger on any of these prospects because there there's so many weird things that happened last year in college football. So the good GMs don't say that. What, what what good GMs say is we're not falling for marketing and we're saying okay, just because there are other quarterbacks that other people value, that changes the value of the quarterback we're taking. Sure, like this is a good quarterback class. That's great. You know that doesn't make QB four like. Work. I'm just saying, I'm, yeah, you know, you're right, you're if right. the other three weren't in there, QB four would be QB one, right? Like it just so happens that there are other people who are valuing a sure. quarterback, you know, with with an earlier opportunity to take them, right? And that's that's why I say if if the guy who's there at seven is your guy, you take him. But I'm just I, saying, well, what's the likelihood that of the four or five top guys that the one that you specifically want, and maybe there's more than one, there's probably definitely more than one that they'd like. Um, but I think the chances are, are lower that they'd be there at seven. I, I think one of the key things that we're kind of overlooking here is that for all of us, we agree that quarterback is a need. I don't know if the Lions view quarterback as a need yeah, because they exactly. don't see Jared Goff. Like they, Jared Goff is going to be the starter this year, and he's going to get a chance to prove it. And so they may not value that. They may not say, hey, we know quarterback's a need, maybe is a need. But we know wide receivers in need. We know this is a need. We know we have all we have 15 other things we know are definite needs. Quarterback, maybe, maybe not, because they've got a guy that they that he was part of the staff that went after and got him at the with the first overall pick. So in my opinion, the reason I'm all about drafting and developing quarterbacks, I think there's value in that. But. I think they're comfortable with golf. And if they're not comfortable with golf, they are selling it, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? Okay, let's take that point. I think that's a really good point. So if golf doesn't work out, golf has more leverage against you and other teams have more leverage against you if you don't have another quarterback waiting. If you have an opportunity, if you have fields behind you, and now you're trying to figure out, okay, what are we doing with Goff? That gives you more leverage against Goff's people and with other teams. The Which, the, the the thing with this is, and I, I again, I agree with yeah. you. You always want to have a succession plan, and Brad Holmes has talked about succession plans. the The issue that I have with having a QB and waiting all the time is that there's barely 32 starting quarterbacks in the league, much less 64. Right. So you it, it's it's good to have a backup plan, but quarterbacks, one of those spots where you can't always have a guy in waiting because that it does weird things to to your team. When when you have a guy that's like sitting there, that might be good. That might not be good. I mean, look at the Eagles. Look what happened to the Eagles. Right. And then they're, they're, they end up dealing Carson Wentz. I'm not saying this is a yep. similar situation, but it, it's it's a it's such a unique position that you can't. Uh, approach it the same way that you approach the other 21 positions on the, on the field, right? It, it's you, I'm with you. you. It'd be nice to have someone other than Tim Boyle, right? Uh, on the roster behind golf. I just wait, wait, don't, wait. don't you mean 2020 training camp superstar, Tim Boyle? <laughs> well, none of us saw it except for Green Bay, but Green Bay, all the Green Bay beat writers think that he was good enough to challenge the start. So, um, and, and the last, the last thing from a draft perspective, the other value of, of taking the quarterback when you have the opportunity to take the quarterback is we aren't able to predict how the rest of the draft is going to pan out, and neither are other teams. And what happens is later on in the draft frequently, people say, well, the player we were hoping might fall to us didn't, or the right. trade we thought we were going to be able to get later didn't pan out. 
And then teams start to suddenly like make a phone call to Detroit saying, hey, we have a deal if you want to trade fields. Right. And people swap quarterbacks later on in the draft like that happens later, too. Sure. So so by getting the, you know, the, the high premium value chip in your camp. I think you give yourself a lot more options without necessarily losing value, including the option you can trade them later. Yeah, I mean that sort of stuff doesn't happen all too often, but it, it is an option, and it's a it's a thought worth thinking. So appreciate the call, David. Uh, we we always uh, appreciate uh, opposing opinions too because it uh, makes the uh, the conversations a lot more interesting. <laughs> no, uh, and, and 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 you know I'm learning. I like I really benefit from like I I, I think like you know your your show has a lot of like you know valuable insights and, and people really are able to learn a lot. Like, I think well, that's one of the great things about Detroit fans is, you know, D- Detroit fans, like, you know, know football and care about it and understand, like, you know, these battles are one of the trenches. We value O-line and D-line. Mm-hmm. Like, we understand, like, you know, that's, like, valuable stuff. And, you know, learning about it from, like, knowledgeable people is appreciated. Well, appreciate those words, David. Uh, appreciate the, uh, that sentiment. And appreciate everyone for, for joining us. So that'll wrap it up for our locker room session. What was this? Locker room six, I think? That sounds right. Um, we'll be we'll continue to do these every Saturday morning around ten thirty a.m. Always check our Twitter uh, in case there's any schedule changes. We obviously probably won't do this in the middle of the draft either. About a month away, so um, make sure you you're following us on Twitch, YouTube, all of the podcast platforms because if you miss any of these lives, you can listen to them all recorded uh, for our podcast feed. So for myself, for Ryan Matthews, for Eric Schlitt, thank you all for joining us. It's chaos. Be kind.